Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. Many of you listening to the show have visited the Gettysburg Battlefield, and you know, then, how much there is to see, how many stories there are to learn, and just how big the place is. But unless you have the opportunity to go there repeatedly, you may not realize the full scope of Gettysburg, or how much it continually changes. Fortunately, there are people who visit it all the time, and who have earned the right to share their knowledge with visitors. These are Gettysburg's licensed battlefield guides. Gary Cross is one of them, and we'll talk with him tonight on Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Coming to you, as is so often the case, from the third floor of the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina, part of the UNC system, University of North Carolina system, but not representing UNC tonight or ECU or any other organization, only speaking for myself as my guest will do the same. It's the way it is on Civil War Talk Radio. It's uh, the show after the changing of the clocks in the autumn of 2017, which means it's pitch dark outside. All day it has been gray and cold and rainy, and I have been thinking at last, finally, fall is here at ECU. We have had an endless summer, uh, and not the good Beach Boys kind, just hot and muggy and humid all the way through October, and finally today it was cold enough to put on a sweater uh, and and feel like I'm teaching in a fall semester, uh, only, and it's already the second week of November. It's the getting on the crazy time of the semester, uh, second midterms coming up, 
doing a lot of grading, doing papers are coming in, grading those, mapping out my weekend, what football games to watch, what papers will I be grading during which uh, sections of the afternoon. I always feel bad for the students whose paper is in front of me when my team fumbles the ball because that tends to get taken out in red ink on the page. Well, actually, I try not to do that. That's not really fair. But uh, I was not grading actually during football this past weekend, which was good because it was crazy. Uh, My Wolverines, University of Michigan won handily. The new freshman quarterback did quite well. We kept the Brown Jug trophy as we do most years. But other things were highly irregular. Penn State, Ohio State, both upset. Uh, One team that delivered no surprises, of course, was East Carolina University. The Pirates uh, once again gave up over 140 points uh, in their loss to somebody. The, uh, The offense plays pretty well, but the players on offense do not get a chance for their their butt cheeks to get warm on the bench before the defense has given up a long play touchdown and two play drive and they have to go back out there uh, so they score every other time but the other team just scores at will it's 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 ugly to watch uh, so instead of watching let's talk about civil war we have lots to occupy uh, your attention and mine in the weeks coming up next week on uh, November 15th we'll be talking with Gordon Ray returning to the show the final volume of his five volume set on the Overland campaign is out this year it's called On to Petersburg Grant and Lee June 4 through 15 1864 and looking forward very much to talking with him about that we'll take a break for Thanksgiving that's American Thanksgiving not Canadian or any other country that wishes to give thanks. Uh, So no show on November 22nd. But we'll be back with Anthony Wosky, author of Philadelphia and the Civil War, Arsenal of the Union, Uh, and he's, among other things, professor, uh, I believe, uh, reenactor, or first-person interpreter, and and many other things. And a number of requests over the years have, have been issued to get him on the show. And I'm happy that that will happen this month and we'll wrap up the academic year on December 6th with Sam Elliott in his new book John C. Brown of Tennessee Rebel, Redeemer, and Railroader it's so new that uh, our library has not yet gotten a copy I've asked them to order one not because I'm too cheap to buy it myself or use your donations to do it but because there's no room in the office uh, for every book that we do on the show. And so if the library can buy it, uh, it's still a sale for the author. I feel good about that. And uh, one less thing to store on the shelves here. Earlier today, there were 30 boxes of books in this office on top of the, the usual books on the shelves. Is the, the home library of nautical books uh, collected by my late colleague, John Tilley, which he... Uh, his, his wife graciously has donated to the history department and its students and faculty. And so I collected them with some grad students. We went over there, got the books, brought them here. And I was not prepared for the quantity. It was impossible to squeeze into the office uh, between John's books and mine. But today, uh, other students came and took them out so I can swing my elbows again. 
So lots of good books coming up to be discussed on the show. Uh, in January, Terry Alford will be here, uh, Chuck Calhoun will be here, and many other interesting people. So stand by for those. You can always find out who's coming up by going to www.impedimentsofwar.org, the Civil War companion website, accessory website, auxiliary website. You can also go to the Impediments of War Facebook page. There are so many ways to communicate. Uh, Email is the best way to reach me if you have a a question or comment or want to suggest someone to be on the show. But on Facebook, there are different ways people can leave comments or messages, and I find myself confused by them, but I will try to answer you if I can figure out how as soon as possible. The advantage of going to the website, Impediments of War, is you can also donate money, and that's something I know all of you are eager to do, to support uh, this year's cause, which is the Memorial and Historical Building in Cattaraugus County, New York, uh, upstate New York, which was headed for the records ball, but saved by the Citizens Advocating Memorial Preservation, or CAMP, uh, led by Mark Dunkleman, friend of the show, and they succeeded in the legislative phase of getting the building not torn down and actually becoming the owners of the building. They are working on grants for long-term restoration, but they need some short-term funds to just keep keep things uh, stable until they get the big funding. And you can help with that. Anything you send to Civil War Talk Radio in the rest of calendar year 2017 will be donated by me. I'll take all the donations, put them in one big canvas bag and send them to camp. Uh, So those of you who've already donated, thank you very much. Uh, Special thanks to the Pasadena Civil War Roundtable, which sent a very generous donation to camp, uh, having heard about it on this show. And uh, I'm very happy to know that that the words have some effect and and some people are donating. To those of you who are not, uh, time to hit the pause button on the podcast, go to your uh, other window on the screen, open up your PayPal account, or just just go to the uh, impedimentsofwar.org website and click on the button there, and they will take your money one way or another. Send it here. I'll send it to camp. Everybody wins. Lots more going on in the Civil War world, but let's move on to tonight's guest. This is a long-awaited uh, moment. Uh, tonight's guest, Gary Cross, is a licensed battlefield guide at Gettysburg. I encountered him a couple years ago while doing one of the uh, tours of this hallowed ground with the Stephen Ambrose historical tours. And let me remind you, it's not too early to think about next May, May 2018, to sign up for this hallowed ground. Contact stephenambrosetours.com and they'll set you up for that. Uh, so I was there with our bus, and we were uh, waiting at the visitor center to to pick up the guide that the tour company had hired. And I saw a man sitting there, and I saw his name tag, Gary Cross, and I recognized that name. Uh, I'd seen it in connection with Blue and Gray magazine and other things online, and struck up a conversation. Said, "Come and tell us about your." Uh, your work here on the show and he said sure we got it all set up for uh, the past May of 2017 and then medical incident intervened couldn't do it 
We rescheduled for September, another intervention, couldn't make that one. Third time's the charm. I'm about 47% certain he's on the other end of the line right now. Uh, Gary, is that you? Are you yeah, there? I am. Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> uh, delighted. How are you? Good, good. Um, how are you feeling? Uh, you you had an accident. Oh, just fine. Uh, um, uh, no, I, I busted my ankle. I was in a I was in a, um, uh, a hospital, um, a uh, rehab center for eleven weeks. So it's one of the reasons why we couldn't do it early on. So, I'm, but I'm delighted we can get together now. So, and, and you're you're back on your feet. You're you're able oh, to yeah. Oh, yeah. walk the oh, battlefield. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah, can't keep well, a can't keep a battlefield guy down too long. I would hope not. Well, the first yeah. thing I want to ask is not actually yeah. about the battlefield, but uh, I, I've seen online you were an associate editor of the magazine Blue and Gray. Yes. And my understanding is they have stopped publishing. Is that correct? Yeah, they have. Uh, Dave Roth is. Uh, it was probably it was a family uh, situation. He uh, he ran it pretty much with uh, an associate and his son. And he's uh, he's 65 years old. He's a good friend of mine, very close friend of mine, in fact. And uh, he decided enough was enough. You know, uh, his son didn't want to take over it, and he wanted to stop it. And uh, that's the reason why Blue and Gray is uh, stopped publication. But uh, they're still selling back issues. Yeah. So, and listeners, if you haven't seen copies of Blue and Gray, it. it dedicates issues to individual battlefields and right. has tour information and, and maps and, and articles and it's just really good stuff. Uh, yeah, I did nine issues. So did, were they each on individual battlefield, the ones you did? No, just just on the Gettysburg battlefield. Uh, nine no, issues okay. on parts, uh, parts of the battlefield, yes. So, um, uh, so, so he... These issues don't go out of date, uh, listeners. If you oh, no. if you haven't got them, go go pick them pick them up, order them online because they're they're always good. Well, it's too bad that they won't be coming out anymore, but uh, it, it, it's good to know what what the backstory is. Thanks for for sharing that. No, my pleasure. Yeah. So, um, you are a licensed battlefield guide. Um, mm-hmm. What does that mean? What what are licensed battlefield guy? Well, the the uh, the uh, Gettysburg National Military Park uh, licenses um, individuals. Uh, we are not a part of the park. We are independent agents, and we are tested for our knowledge on the battlefield and uh, licensed by the park. They uh, they do book some of our business. We book some of our own business, but uh, for the most part, uh, we, we're hand in hand. We're pretty much the uh, well, we're a part of the um, uh, uh, the, the uh, interpretive branch, I suppose, of the uh, Gettysburg National Military Park. Um, there's 149 battlefield guides, and uh, they all have to pass a test. Uh, it's quite a deliberate test. Uh, the test I took was about uh, three and a half hours long. Um, 167 people took the test, and only three people passed. Wow. So uh, they're they're looking for they're looking for people. They say if you have to if you have to study for the test, you'll fail the test. Uh, <laughs> you either know, you either know it or you don't. And uh, it was a well, and then and then you have an oral examination as well. So mm-hmm. uh, if you pass all of that, um, I was third in the class of three. I was last in my class. <laughs> well, you're good company <laughs> with you know Pickett and Custer and guys like that. The, oh yeah, um, without a doubt. So. Uh, what kind of questions are on the, the exam? 
Oh, general questions about the battle. Uh, well, general questions about the American Civil War, but very, very specific uh, questions on the Battle of Gettysburg itself, uh, all three days. Um, there's uh, uh, true and false, there's uh, fill-ins, there's uh, matching of photographs with... Um, with monuments, uh, names of monuments, stuff like that. Uh, it's it's not a very easy test to pass. Um, I know people have been trying to pass a test for 20 years and couldn't do it. Um, it is difficult, and they're having another test uh, this year, uh, December 2nd. Um, they're asking for only full-time guides. Uh, we're down on full-time guides. Unfortunately, we've lost a few, and uh, uh, either retirement or, unfortunately, uh, because they, they died, um, and uh, they are looking only for uh, for full time guides right now. And uh, I understand that about thirty five or forty people have already signed up. It's pretty expensive. In fact, they've raised the uh, the price to two hundred and fifty dollars just to take the test itself. And they're only wow. looking for a handful of guides, so there's going to be a lot of disappointed people. I, I guess, though, the 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 spirit that. Uh, I mean, people are taking time out of their lives to listen to you and me talk. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I'm taking time to do this. You're spending a Wednesday night here. Uh, th- there are those of us with the Civil War bug who are just really interested oh, yeah. and willing to yeah. do this. But I completely uh, – uh, so I can picture people willing to, to put up $250, mm-hmm. al- almost like a challenge, like – I'll show you how much I know about this. Exactly. Well, you know, the, it wasn't always two hundred and fifty dollars, uh, and when when the fee was uh, about a hundred dollars or one hundred and twenty-five dollars, uh, we had hundreds of people at taking the test, and like you said, uh, people were taking the test just to see if they could pass it, mm. using it as a uh, as a test of their own knowledge, uh, with no intention of becoming a battlefield guide. But uh, the two hundred and fifty dollars has kind of narrowed down the field. Uh, the people that are signing up now. I definitely do want to be battlefield guides. Wow. Well, good for them. Well, well, best yeah. of luck to all of those who are doing it. We're going to take a short break now. We're going to come back in just a moment. We're talking tonight with Gary Cross. He is a licensed battlefield guide at Gettysburg, working in partnership with the Gettysburg National Military Park. We'll talk more about what he does and what he has done there. When we come back from the break, I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. 
stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu.edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu.edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Gary Cross. He is a licensed battlefield guide at Gettysburg uh, at the National Battlefield Park, working in, in conjunction with them. But as we learned in the first segment, the licensed battlefield guides are an independent association. They work in conjunction with the park, but they also they're licensed by the park, but also work as independent agents. It's uh, an interesting organization. Gary, do you know if there are other battlefields that have a licensing program like Gettysburg does? Yeah. Uh, well, they tried it in Vicksburg. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think it uh, it really came came off that well there. Uh, but they do have them in Antietam at, at Sharpsburg. Okay. And uh, but but not, not not in the same way. You have to call in advance and. Uh, connect with a battlefield guide before you actually go to the battlefield itself. There aren't battlefield guides on, on hand as there are in Gettysburg. So if, if a, somebody's coming to Gettysburg and they want to see the battlefield and they've got mm-hmm. uh, some hours or a whole day, they, mm-hmm. can, they can contact the guide, they can hire a guide when they get there? Oh, yes. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. And they can, they can call up. They can call up reservations at the, at the uh, Gettysburg National Military Park. And uh, they can request almost anything they want. Um, I had a request today of doing just uh, Berdan sharpshooters on the battlefield for two hours. Uh, you can also request more than just two hours. Um, I, yesterday I had a, a seven-hour tour uh, in the rain on the battlefield. And you can ask uh, at the reservations. Uh, for the name of that guide, you can talk to him personally and uh, arrange exactly how you want your tour. And uh, so we, we, like I said, we do work uh, hand in hand with the Park Service itself. But uh, we all have all the battlefield guys have uh, uh, customers, you know, that rely on us almost every year. I've had customers for 25, 30 years now. Really? So, mm-hmm. and they must they must know a fair amount about the battle. I mean, they they. Well, when they yeah, when they when they come, uh, they want to they want notes and quotes. You know, I mean, they want they want you out in the field with them, and uh, they want to know everything they possibly can that you know of that area. And uh, sometimes hard to do you know, when you're trying to impress somebody, you know, <laughs> once a year for twenty five or thirty years. You know, uh, but you you do what you have to do uh, to keep your customers, and I certainly do. I own about nine hundred books on the Battle of Gettysburg. That's about 400 more than the park owns. 
Wow. So, uh, yeah, I have enough research here that uh, if somebody does request something unusual, I can usually find that information for them. So I'll, I'll put you on the spot. Out of those yeah. 900, uh, what are your favorites? Well, they say that uh, the, the book, The Killer Angels, uh, mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a novel done mm-hmm. by Shara. Um, uh, it's probably the most expensive book you can buy because it leads to so many more. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's probably true. It's the first book I ever read. But there are so many good, good books. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really into photography, so I, I like uh, William Frasinito's works. Mm-hmm. You know uh, how the battlefield looked then, how it looks now. You know then and now. Um, but there's some terrific, terrific books out there. I, I love uh, um, uh, Sears's book on Gettysburg. I think he did mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, of course, we have our, our own um, historians that have written things like uh, 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 Tulberg and, and Harrison and people like that. Um, but uh, put me on the spot, it's kind of hard. Um, it really <laughs> well, is. I have, I've read so many of them, and I've enjoyed so many of them. And, uh, you know, from every book you learn something something new mm-hmm. or use a phrase that you can use on your on your tours to impress someone. So... So, uh, uh, but uh, like I said, it all starts. It all starts with the Killer Angels. I mean, that yeah. uh, that they made the movie, of course, you know. And half the people mm-hmm. that come, oh, more than half the people that come here refer to that movie, even during your tour. You know, I mean, uh, places like the Lutheran Seminary Cupola Building and places mm-hmm. like that. Of course, Pickett's Charge, a Little Round Top. They want to see what Chamberlain uh, fought and uh, refused his, his his left flank. So, I mean, those are the requests we get, and it's basically from that one book. I assigned it to my students this year, and uh, they they enjoyed it. It's different mm-hmm. from reading, you know, academic history, and I think that's a great line that it's the most expensive book in the collection because you buy the paperback for ten dollars, but <laughs> it, it sets the hook, and now you're and you know, nine hundred more afterwards. Exactly, you know? yeah, you can't get away. So yeah. uh, now, last year, um, that I go every year with uh, a bus tour this hallowed yeah. ground that Stephen Ambrose tours puts together mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we get a guide to join us uh, get on the bus and take us around mm-hmm. the uh, in the past year our tour started on Oak Hill on, uh, at the Peace Monument instead okay. of where the battle started by McPherson's barn yeah. and it, it the, the the guide talked about his decision to do this he said this is this is not where most people start the tour but i like to do this and he explained mm-hmm. why you get a different vista and so on and it mm-hmm. occurred to me that there must be many many ways you can if you only have a couple hours three hours with a group uh you can't see everything so so you've got to pick different ways to do it how do you do that well every tour is different uh mm-hmm. the first thing you ask a person when you when you meet them at the visitor center is where they're from Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very, very important. Uh, you either give it a southern bent or a, mm-hmm. or a northern bent, for sure. I know most southerners like uh, their state history uh, given to them. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we, do what we, we do what we can, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Well, there's an, there's an old expression that if you, you know, if you have the right tip, you know, the South can win here. <laughs> you know, we we have we have alternate endings. Like you know, you got to keep the customer happy. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, when I started my tours, I started in McPherson's Woods, 
uh, what I actually call Herps Woods, but that's where Reynolds was killed. And uh, I can do the entire first day from that position. And your guy that took you around could probably do the entire first day from Oak Hill, which is right in the right. middle of the first line, yeah, the first day's fight. Now, one thing that I noticed this past year uh, visiting was how uh, what was the, the Lee's headquarters? Uh, oh, they did a wonderful used, job. Yeah, it, it it just amazed me. We came, we came up from the direction of the town mm-hmm. on Chambersburg Pike, and we go up to Crest, and there's been this hotel there since forever. Mm-hmm. A, a little, what was mm-hmm. it, a Quality Inn or something like that? Yeah, it was Quality Inn. Yeah. It was a and, Quality Inn. Yeah. Yes, and and I remember staying there, and 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 suddenly you go up the Crest, and it's gone. There's just yeah. the headquarters, and you got the whole view. Oh, yeah. What, yeah. Tell me about your now. impressions of ch- changes over time on the battlefield. Well, you know, you know, we have there's, there's uh, we have the uh, the foundation. We have the Friends of the Gettysburg National Military Park. We also have, of course, the, the park itself and donations that uh, private donations to the park as well. Uh, they did a marvelous, marvelous job in restoring um, the Thompson House. Um, it really is. I mean, even to the crops that were growing in the garden. I mean, it's really quite remarkable. They did a wonderful, wonderful job. And uh, um, that's about the only thing they can do on Seminary Ridge to improve it, actually, because the rest of it is in either cemetery, uh, seminary hands or private hands. Mm-hmm. Are there a lot of sites on the battlefield not that are not in the park that are in private hands? Yeah, just a few. They're called inholdings. And uh, every time an inholding property comes up, and there's not that many of them, but any time an inholding property comes up, uh, there's a 60-day uh, re- uh, park. The park has a 60-day refusal rate, uh, a refusal time to to. Um, uh, they have to be offered. The park has to be offered the property first, and if they can't afford it or don't want it within 60 days, it goes on the open market. And there, so, is some, and there is some property, and uh, the, one of the pieces went for $1,900,000, the McMillan House. That's the house that uh, Dorsey Pender was taken to, and he was badly wounded on July 2nd. He would eventually die on his retreat back to Virginia. Um, but that's remarkable. It overlooks Pickett's Charge. probably the nicest piece of Civil War property you can probably have. So, are, are there sites like when you're giving people a tour? Are there sites on mm-hmm. private land that you wish you could go on, or that you you are able to go? Well, on? Well, no, you know, I tell you something. The the, the park owns eighty percent of the battlefield. Uh huh. The twenty the twenty percent it does not own. It should have owned. It should have been the easiest piece of uh, property to obtain because it was at once a uh, a um, uh, an army camp. Uh, that's where Dwight Eisenhower spent nineteen seventeen. Um, it was the first uh, tank battalion that was raised there. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, when the United States Army was finished with it, they sold it to a developer rather than back to the park. So the 20% that should have been the easiest to obtain will never be obtained by the park. So you have very, very little property on the battlefield to worry about, except for that 20%. And that's uh, that's just to the, the north, if you will, of uh, Pickett's Charge. Mm-hmm. So, and again, over the years, uh, you know, the General Pickett's Buffet, the uh, yeah, the, the well, Wax that's the Museum. Ground, that's the maybe. We're talking about right there. That's the ground where where you're just uh, talking about, and and the and the uh, housing project behind it. That's that mm-hmm. was Camp Colt. It's now called Colt Park. So that's the ground that we'll never get back. And again, it's about twenty percent of the battlefield. 
but, but uh, yeah, but considering the battlefield is twenty five square miles, uh, there's about sixty eight hundred acres. I mean, uh, to have that much property in a in a very wealthy, um, rather wealthy uh, county in Pennsylvania, Adams County, mm-hmm. is quite remarkable. It really is. It, it is. Park, it's a, it's a, yeah, go ahead. No, and, and the park is, is diligently, especially the last few years, trying to um, to make it look as historical as it possibly can be. They're in the process of cutting down trees. They're planting about 17 acres of orchards, uh, which they have already done. Uh, four years ago, they fenced most of the battlefield as it was in 1863. Type of fence is indicated. I've been a guide there for 31 years. I've never seen the battlefield look more historically accurate as it does today. Wow, that, that's impressive. And I, uh, I don't have the same record of, of seniority and familiarity that you have by any means, but I would certainly agree with that. It, it does yeah. look better every year and, and it does. is absolutely worth going to. Um, let me ask about one of my favorite parts of the, the yeah. park because nobody goes there, the East Cavalry Field. Do you get oh, a lot sure. of people who want to see that? Unfortunately, no. Um, even in the height of our season, uh, I get out there maybe twice a month, and uh-huh. I'm pretty much working almost every day um, in the spring, the summer, and the fall. Um, it's a shame, though, but uh, I do get requests, and uh, I do take people down there. The problem is is that most people will take a guide for about two hours, and it takes mm-hmm. about 20 minutes to get out there and about 20 minutes to get back. So um, you're already, you know, and by the time you get to your car, the car and everything else, you only have about an hour to really explain the, uh, quite a quite an unusual battle. You know, it was mm-hmm. one of the largest Civil War cavalry battlefields uh, in in the country, and it's exactly the way it was in 1863. In fact, yeah. at one at one time, the lot farm and the uh, and the um, um, well, both farms, both farms where it was on, uh, mm-hmm. uh, were for sale. I mean, mm-hmm. anyone who had a lot of money could have gone and bought the entire cavalry battlefield at one time. That would have been incredible. Wow! But somebody did. It's now now the park owns just uh, stretches of uh, you know, um, I would say roadways. You might say that go through mm-hmm. it, and uh, monuments are very close to the roadways. But the battlefield looks much the way it did in 1863, and it's, uh, it's very easy to interpret. Uh, you can see it from the Confederate perspective or the Union perspective or both. And uh, it's certainly a, worth a two-hour a two tour and, uh, or more. I mean, I've spent days out there with people. So uh, uh, it's one of my favorite, too, because one of my favorite custom, uh, uh, individuals is uh, George Armstrong Custer. I enjoy reading about him, especially in the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. Probably my second favorite battlefield is uh, the Little Bighorn. Uh, I'm embarrassed to admit I have never been there. It's, oh, it's I've been I... there many times. I've been there with Blue and Gray Magazine a couple of times. Ah. So um, let me change gears sure. uh, from, from the, the East Cavalry Field, which mm-hmm. is out, uh, uh, as I'm sure many listeners know, I think of it as behind the Union line, where Stewart's cavalry well, fought. It's the about Union four, and mi- four and a half miles east of the town itself. So it, it's it's not you don't see it from the the main part of the battlefield. You have to know no. where it is to go go there. Yes. But the town itself, um, I was looking in uh, uh, Petruzzi's complete Gettysburg guide, which is an yeah. excellent book, and excellent book, right? uh, he mentions you in the. Uh, Acknowledgements, among many mm-hmm. others, that he, he learned a lot from, and 
he mentions the Association of Town Guides, and I had not oh, yeah. heard of that. It, what, is that a separate organization? Well, uh, it is now. Um, when they first tried to organize this about a dozen years ago, uh, a battlefield guide such as myself could automatically apply and get a, a town guide uh, license, you might say, but that's no longer, that's no longer the case. Um, now there is a separate test, I believe, for the town guide, and uh, uh, there is a certain fee that has to be paid uh, to its organization. Uh, but I'll tell you something, some of those town guides are very, very good. I mean, uh, extraordinarily good. And, you know, the town, you know, saw a great deal of the fighting. Oh, yeah. People who come to Gettysburg think that the battle takes place around it. Well, it it certainly does, but it kind of takes place through it. I mean, between 4 and 5 o'clock in the afternoon, almost 3,000 Union casualties alone killed, wounded, and captured in the streets of Gettysburg. There's dead and wounded on every street corner. And a lot of people don't realize that. There's an awful lot of battle damage as well that can be pointed out in town. It's a fascinating part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had um, uh, uh, the the Shriver House. Uh, oh, sure. Uh, we had, had Nancy, who runs the Shriver House, was on the show a few weeks ago. She's and, a good friend of mine. Yeah, she, she, yeah. It, mm-hmm. that's a wonderful place and, and really tells Certainly a great is. story. Especially upstairs, huh? Oh, it's crazy. You, you see <laughs> yeah. where the snipers were shooting yeah. from? It's just, just yeah. really amazing. Um, it truly is. While we're talking about the town, uh, what yeah. about the ghosts of Gettysburg? Uh, how many well, ghosts have you seen? Well, there's seven companies in town that are making a living <laughs> doing it. Uh, you know, but you know, I, you know, you know, they, they talk about the commercialism of Gettysburg. Well, you have to understand something. You know, we get two million people uh, visiting Gettysburg. They have to do something at night. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so many movies you can watch, or so much television you can watch. And I'm I'm kind of delighted that uh, these these tours are available. I mean, uh, some of it is uh, a little outrageous, but uh, for the most part, they do give you the history of the town and those houses. And uh, if nothing else, that's that's well worth it. Well, that that's that, I appreciate that attitude. I, I yeah. share that. If, if people are getting their history, even in a watered well, down, ghosty fashion, uh, well, it, it's better than idea. you know. They, uh, you know, we get about two million people. I, I believe not. Uh, this may not be gospel, but I believe that some place like Sharpsburg, Antietam, gets about three hundred eighty thousand visitors a year. And one of the reasons why is that you can't even get a decent ham sandwich in Sharpsburg. <laughs> you know, that is you know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, um, it, it, they just don't know what to do with the people when they get there. And there's very, very little lodging uh, in the town itself or on the battlefield itself. And, uh, and that's what rectified here in Gettysburg. We can take care of a large group, and we, we certainly do. I mean, we're, we get incredibly busy in the spring and certainly in the fall. We're very, very busy now. And there's so much to see there. We're going to take another short break, come back and talk more with our guest, Gary Cross, licensed battlefield guide at Gettysburg. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu.edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Gary Cross, licensed battlefield guide at Gettysburg. We've been talking about the battlefield itself, the many things to see there, uh, the licensed Battlefield Guide program, how difficult it is to get in, how many dozens, hundreds even will apply and take the exam and only a few will pass. Uh, You have to be very well informed to be a licensed Battlefield Guide. Uh, Gary, you mentioned uh, that while Antietam has a program like this, it's it's not common at most battlefields. Uh, Having a license implies that you you need a license. I mean, you know, you can't drive your car without a license. You can't. Uh, well, no, you can go anywhere you want on the battlefield. Uh, any individual can. Um, right. But with with a battlefield guide, um, we are licensed by the park, uh, meaning mm-hmm. that if you take one of us, you know that there's a certain amount of quality involved, and they've been doing this since 1915. Hmm. In fact, we're the oldest guide association in the country. And uh, there has been a test uh, for your knowledge since 1915. So, and the tests, in my opinion, just get tougher every year. I mean, uh, they really, really. I mean, we have we have a number of PhDs that are that are are. are uh, we have a couple of doctors, uh, medical doctors. We have a dentist, mm-hmm. uh, retired dentist. We have a lot of military colonels, majors. I mean, it's quite remarkable. It's it's quite an educated. Uh, group of individuals, both men and women, and I'm very proud to be a part of it. Now, I'm wondering, if did the need arise for it because there were charlatans yes. just hiring themselves out as, as guides who didn't actually know anything? That's exactly what it was, exactly, and, uh, you know, this battlefield was, uh, I mean, uh, veterans knew that this battlefield was going to be important, I mean, even during the battle... Even right after the battle, I mean, you had, you had during the Civil War, you had uh, individuals that were sent from regiments to Gettysburg uh, to negotiate with farmers for just a few yards of, of their land. Um, 
So they knew, especially the northern veterans, uh, knew how important it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And they, they wanted their story told the right way. And um, that's when the government stepped in in 1915 and made sure that it would be told the correct way. And I'm a part of that. And I'm, like I said, I'm very proud to be a part of that. I, I know in places where they don't have this, um, I, I lived in Boston when I was in graduate yeah. school, and the uh, the the you you hear tour guides just making stuff up. Uh, oh yeah, completely. Uh, it was almost a joke uh, because there, there was no licensing, and and they didn't care, and the the tourists didn't mm-hmm. care. But right. I, I appreciate Gettysburg being taken more seriously. Now you All mentioned. Right. Uh, you said, uh, kiddingly, that you know, for the right tip, you can <laughs> tell the story so the South wins the battle for, well, for a Southern we, visitor. Well, we can concentrate. We can give a we can give a Southern <laughs> bent on it. You know, I mean, uh-huh. you're talking about uh, very courageous men, uh, very brave mm-hmm. men. I mean, all you have to do is look over the fields of Pickett's Charge to realize those are very, very brave individuals that came across walking across that field. Uh, you know, we call it Pickett's Charge, but those men marched across that field to come 20 minutes across that field, taking fire every step of the way, and and uh, you can appreciate that. And you can actually um, be very proud as an American that those were Americans that were coming across that field, because uh, you can you can see some something very good and something very bad, I guess, uh, about both sides. But uh, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what we have now. You know, we have this uh, political correctness which I think is damaging this country and polarizing it terribly. But, um, but, uh, um, but you can play up the Southern heroism uh, here. Um, well, I mean, they are on the attack all three days. Well, Pickett's charge, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to imagine that succeeding no matter what. But right. are there places where you think the South could have won the battle? Well... You know, uh, Robert E. Lee uh, at Gettysburg was a rather sick man. I mean, he, had, he was getting over a heart attack that he suffered in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, he had uh, a case of dysentery. Uh, some say he had been thrown off his horse, was walking with a pronounced limp and a bad wrist. And unfortunately, because he wasn't very mobile, he had to delegate many of the things he would have done himself to other people. And some of those people didn't play well with each other, like uh, play, uh, for instance, uh, James Longstreet and, uh, and A.P. Hill, for instance. Those mm-hmm. are the men that uh, Lee um, ordered to, uh, to put together Pickett's Charge. And I think Lee was very disappointed by the numbers of men that actually went across the field, only about 12,800 men, which was a very, very small amount. That was less than 25% of... Uh, Lee's army available to go across that field. You know, they say that uh, that uh, that uh, uh, Lee was the last great Napoleonic general. Well, Napoleon would have sent at least half his men across that field. Uh, but uh, like I said, there was only about 12,800, which constituted less than 25% of Lee's uh, available force. And I think he was very, very disappointed. That's why I think he tried to resign after the war, uh, after the battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he said that he's not mobile enough to, to be in a position and he has to rely on the eyes and ears of others. Of course, Jefferson Davis uh, tore up that resignation letter, and I'm glad he did. Mm-hmm. I think Lee did a fine job the remainder of the war. I think it it extended the war for the South Side uh, probably by months, if not uh, if not by an entire year. Now, I'm, I'm guessing... You mm-hmm. you get questions like that, you know. Could the South have won? Yeah. Uh, are, 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 what are other common questions that you hear all the time? 
Well, what would have happened that, uh, you know, the discretionary order that was given to uh, Dick Ewell to attack Cemetery mm-hmm. Hill was practicable um, after the Confederates had routed the Union soldiers out of the fields west and north of town on July 1st. Mm-hmm. And as they were driving them through the streets, you know, they, they always say that, uh, you know, had Stonewall Jackson not been killed at Chancellorsville two months ago, two months earlier, uh, that uh, when given that same order in the same position, he would have attacked Cemetery Hill and Gettysburg would have been a one-day Confederate victory. Uh, we get that, I get that almost every week, at least once, maybe twice a mm-hmm. week. And, uh, of course, you know, after studying the, the battle as, as I have for as many years as I have, I'm not sure it's going to be that easy, even if Stonewall Jackson was here. Yeah. Uh, Union position is still pretty strong. You know, there, there came a time uh, during that day on July 1st that as more and more Union soldiers were coming up and taking position, you know, south of town on the heights, you know, Cemetery Hill and Cemetery Ridge, that the officers were no longer willing to throw good men into a bad situation west and north of town. They were digging in on that hill. In fact, by the time the Confederates had an opportunity to attack it on uh, on, the, uh, on the evening of July, uh, late afternoon, early evening of July 1st, there were already 42 Union cannons entrenched up there. It wouldn't have been easy. But I get that question all the time. What would have happened? Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a lot of what if, uh, you know, questions on the battlefield constantly. What if? What if, what if this happened? What if that didn't happen? Uh, Sickles is another one. Dan Sickles moving forward. Uh-huh. Was it a good idea? Was it not a good idea? Well, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to both. Um, I don't think it was a very good idea. Uh, him moving away from the fishhook, uh, his line, had it stayed where it was, would have been three-quarters of a mile in length. Of course, it would have included a little round top, however. Uh-huh. Uh, but when he moved forward, his battle line was a mile and a half, same amount of men. So it was twice as long and, and uh, twice as thin, uh-huh. and both flanks were up in the air, and uh, you just can't allow that to happen. Uh, but still and all, he did place himself in a position to meet the Confederate attack. So we get questions like that all the time. I mean, it's it's something we almost have a stock answer for. I, I have a soft spot for the question about Sickles. I was in, in sixth <laughs> grade touring the, the battlefield with a group, yeah. and we had, I think we had a park ranger actually leading our group, and the uh-huh. rest of the group wasn't all that interested and they're talking to each other, but I was, and I asked the ranger the Sickles question, and he like lit up and like, oh, here's somebody who really wants to know stuff. And, and yeah. th- that's when I realized, that was my first experience realizing there's other people in the world who care about this stuff. Oh, yeah. And it is the, the, the people like him or like you who mm-hmm. make the biggest impression on visitors, even more than the monuments and the, the, the fields and the hills. Oh, I think so. so. I, I'm here because of a, a ranger by the name of Scott Hartwig. I don't know if mm-hmm. you ever heard of Scott or oh, had him absolutely. on your show, but uh, um, I used to. When I was an exporter in New York, um, I was an exporter in on Broadway in New York for about 14 years, and just to get away from the the, uh, the business and the family and everything else, uh, I would come to Gettysburg for a couple of weekends of the year each year. And always I'd seek out uh, Scott Hartwig, and he would take me around the battlefield, or I would join his groups as they went around the battlefield. And I can easily say that I'm, I'm here because of one man, and that was Scott Hartwig. And I think, you know, I think other people, uh, well, I don't know if they, they, uh, they think of me in the same way. I hope they do. Some of them do. Like I said, I've had customers 
very, very good customers for almost 30 years now. Well, I, I'm, I'm certain that there are those who have had exactly that experience uh, touring the battlefield with you, where it 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 just makes a difference. You just become uh, just having that that human interaction with someone else who is is equally passionate about uh, well, what you're seeing. Uh, it's, there, there there is a certain energy here. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe that's why the ghost stories uh, catch on as much as they do, because there is a certain energy. They say, uh, no, uh, Gettysburg is like uh, eating peanuts. The more you, the more you, you eat them, more, more the more you want to eat more. You know, I mean, it's 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 really true. I mean, the more you get, the more you want to know about it, and uh, it starts with one book and. You know, 30 years later, I mean, uh, you have to reinforce your floors, you know, because you got so many books, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I hear uh, that. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, so, it's it really is a wonderful place, uh, and there is a feeling here. You know, the, you know, the park did a survey. Um, well, I, maybe it wasn't the park. Maybe maybe it was the Chamber of Commerce. But they said that uh, something like 52 percent of first timers to Gettysburg returned to Gettysburg within a six-year period. That's remarkable. Mm. And I can attest to that. You know, when I, when I first, when I started guiding um, uh, 31 years ago, the average, the average uh, visitation to the park was about 300,000. Hmm. And now it's near 2 million. So, I mean, and there is something here that people want to see and want to be told about. And uh, it, it is really a, quite a remarkable place, and I'm glad I'm here. Uh, we've, we've got just a minute left. Uh, okay. it, it, a question about the park's future, just from your point of view. The, yeah. it, the park has survived attempts to widen uh, Emmitsburg Road into a yeah. four-lane highway or build a casino near the mm-hmm. battlefield. Uh, do, you, do you think maybe we're in the clear that with two million visitors, Adams County is smart enough to know don't kill the golden yes. goose? Yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And this battlefield is, is, I don't think we have to worry about it. Um, there is such an uproar when they de- describe uh, something like a, a casino coming in. or uh, that, uh, and, and there's very, very little land that can be exploited. Uh, uh, like I said, the park does own most of it. Uh, the population again is only about 7,800 people. I mean, the, the, the battlefield completely surrounds the town. It can't get any larger. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think there's going to be any exploitation, not at Gettysburg anyway. Uh, there are a lot of Civil War sites that uh, do need protection. Uh, and uh, But uh, Gettysburg, it's got the, the foundation. It's got the Friends of Gettysburg. It's got the military park itself. And an awful lot of people that care a great deal about this battlefield. You know, you walk around, you go around the battlefield on the weekends, and you see volunteers cutting down mm-hmm. brush and cleaning around monuments. I mean, these are volunteers. These are people that are not getting paid for this. They're just coming in. They're getting a group together, coming in, and working all day from morning until night to make the battlefield look better. And, uh, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm a part of it. Well, I'm glad you're a part of it, too. Our listeners are as well. I wish we had more time to talk. We're out of time tonight. But listeners, go, as you already know this, go visit Gettysburg. When you're there, uh, hire a licensed battlefield guide. Ask for Gary Cross. Ask for anyone else you know there. uh, And you will get a story in detail and color like you won't get anywhere else. Really worth doing. Uh, I, I know listeners, you'll enjoy that. And Gary... Thanks so much for being on the show tonight. Oh, thanks, Jerry. 
Glad to do it. Anytime. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week. Thank you.